0: Okay, welcome to the communion portion of the service. Um, gather your elements, your wine and, uh, and bread, <clears throat> juice, and uh, we will be speaking to communion. <clears throat> so as we come with our struggles, Christ assures us of his living presence. As we come to the table in need of healing, Christ assures us, of his forgiveness. As we come with our doubts, Christ touches us with the mercy of his presence.
1: Just as we are nourished by the food that we eat, Christ nourishes us spiritually at this table with the broken bread representing his broken flesh and the poured wine representing the blood he shed for us.
0: Take these elements now as a powerful symbol of his broken body and his mercy for us. Let's take a minute of quiet focus and contemplation of Jesus' presence before we move on to close communion. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice, your love, and your mercy, and your provision for all of this in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.
1: So I did a little oopsie, and I did communion. I jumped the gun. I was just so excited to, you know, commune with our Lord and with all of us. So we are going to go over to Eden now. Um or a Lectio
2: announcement thing? So, good morning and it's good to see you even though it's dripping outside for us here on the West Coast. Um, Besides the Lectio, I also have uh, a little announcement and I'll do that first and then we'll head into the Lectio. Um, I wanna share a letter from the steering team with you all. Uh, Most of you will have noticed that We've had a bit of a running theme regarding inclusion and particularly focused on inclusion of the queer community in our midst. Uh, And I just lost my screen, (laughs) sorry. Uh, I don't know why it disappeared on me, but something on the big screen did it. Um, I'm back. Um, that has been an intentional focus in these last few months. And we as a steering team have been researching, discussing and pulling in other voices that have taken this path in order to bring us to a place where we all understand the value of being an openly inclusive and affirming church. Uh, We are still in process, but this next step, namely this letter of intent I'm about to read is a, a pretty big step toward our goal. The letter has uh, been posted to the church website that was posted yesterday. And I would invite you to go to the website after church to reread the letter of intent and to check out the resources we've also added there. We hope to make this official in September. And so between now and then, we will be open for discussions on the topic and will continue to adjust and clarify and define terms as needed. We absolutely appreciate your contributions. So here's the letter of intention. The Bridge Church desires to love God by loving what God loves. In order to reflect this, the steering team has been in process to become an inclusive and affirming church. This step brings alignment to the words, actions, and values of our community um, that has lived out, been lived out over years. We expect to have the pieces in place to officially welcome our LGBTQ plus siblings in September. Our commitment to elevating the good news of Jesus remains the same. Being inclusive means we will overtly welcome the LGBTQ plus community. We long for their participation in the life of the church. Being affirming means we believe their experience, perspectives, and influence as queer people are needed and welcomed here. Jesus welcomes all of us to God's table. We recognize that LGBTQ plus people have been harmed and excluded from the church at large. We regret and apologize for how we have knowingly or unknowingly advanced these damaging ideas. We have much to learn and to acknowledge building and acknowledge building trust as we grow, our community is part of the way forward. Because of this, we are approaching this process with humility, listening to and learning from LGBTQ plus voices. Our official statements and policy may grow and adjust as we discover what being a public, intentional and explicitly affirming community looks like. We want to do our part to change the narrative and make room for healing. We are better together and look forward to what is what this change will bring. We encourage our community to look at these resources and consider this further. No one will be coerced to affirm anything contrary to their conscience. We only ask that we treat one another with grace, humility, dignity, and love. Let's keep talking. And we can spend some time during the, um, during the Q&R uh, discussing that, if, if that's what people would like to talk to. But I'll just switch over to the Lectio now. Um, the song for the Lectionary this morning, oh dear, the same thing just happened. Um, sorry about that, guys. The psalm from the lectionary this morning is Psalm 20. It's a psalm that is a blessing and a prayer for the leader or the king. Instead of using this as a Lectio reading, which may have been a bit tough to do because I tried to jig it to work, but um, what I've done is rewritten this to be a prayer for our leaders, our present leaders. In light of our more recent news, I have felt a rather deep calling to intercession for those in our country that are in pain. And this prayer will reflect that. So I've written it in a similar style to the song. So a prayer for our leaders, and I invite you to join me. May may you ask the Lord for help when you are in trouble. May you recognize your weaknesses and turn to God to give you strength. May you remember that your position is one of serving and that it is your role to consider all people and especially those who are in need. May you lead us to be more accepting and appreciating of all people from all nations, faiths, and cultures. May you draw us together to mourn with those that mourn. We stand with the Muslim community as they mourn the senseless loss of a beautiful family. We stand with the queer community as their hearts ache for the beating of one of their own. We stand with our indigenous brothers and sisters who are mourning as old wounds have been reopened and old pain has been renewed. May you listen and acknowledge the ancient wrongs committed by our nation. And may you rise to bring God's justice to all. May you be brave in taking responsibility. May you speak truth that leads to reconciliation for those that have lived without peace or rest for generations. May you find sincere and appropriate ways to honor those that were dishonored. May you be tireless in the pursuit of following up on all the rumors, stories, and experiences that certainly will bring to light more of our harmful past. May you be relentless in your desire to come alongside our First Nations, treating each nation individually in order to bring restitution that fits their particular needs and trauma. May you call all those who you lead to higher ground, that the harming will end and that a new page will be turned where hope, life, peace, and reconciliation will thrive. Lord Jesus, Give us all strength to take responsibility, to find solutions, to participate in reconciling with our past, and give us ears to listen, eyes to see, and hearts that are willing to take part. Amen. Uh, Sarah, am I meant to uh, introduce you?
1: Sure, you can introduce me, but you probably know who I am. You can maybe pray for me. That would be cool.
2: Okay. Well, this is Sarah. She's a lovely person. And uh, um, we get to do work together, and I appreciate her very, very much. Um, She's a really solid person, and uh, she brings way more to the table than her energy level actually affords. And I don't know if you all know um, the struggles that she has with energy. uh, But on a Sunday morning, all of her energy is expanded in our midst. That's it. She's out for the rest of the day. So I would encourage you all to pray for her, for strength, for, um, for creativity within the confines of her strength, and um, that she would um, have many, many good days. So Jesus, we ask that you would uh, come and sit beside Sarah, as she shares with us this morning, that you would take the seed that she offers this morning, and that you would plant it, uh, and that it would grow in accordance with uh, your ability to make things become far bigger and lovelier than we ever imagine. And so we bless her now and we give her our attention. Amen.
1: Amen, thank you very much. Also, I have this funny thing that happens with my skin. I don't know what that's about. If you're listening on the um, on the, the, the um, podcast, you're welcome that you don't get to look at it, but everybody else, you can watch it. It's gonna grow from here now and it'll come up and around and then it'll overtake my whole face. By the time we've finished, I will be a tomato. Anyway. Let me cover myself so I can't see it happening. You just get old fit to look. Um, on with the show. Um, did anyone watch Tough as Nails? No? Okay. Anyway, it's a series. Uh, we've just, re- fin- we recorded it. So we've just finished watching it. Um, and it sets people from different manual labor pos- uh, professions against each other to work in teams to compete in real world work challenges. The final challenge was a race to the prize of $200,000 and a truck but the truck was on top of a shipping container and they had to do a whole bunch of challenges to get there. There was a, a wall to smash through with a sledgehammer. I would have given up at that point. I'd have gone, no, I can't even lift the sledgehammer. Never mind. See ya. Um, then they had to uh, bust through a concrete block to release a pair of wire cutters, to cut through chain link fence, to drag these huge crates through, to build a wall, to be able to climb up, climb up onto one shipping container to cut a chain, to make a balance beam fall, to then get to finally untying a whole bunch of knots in these massive ropes that would then pull up a rope ladder that you could climb to get to the truck that was on top of the thing. I mean, it's exhausting just thinking about it. I, I, I watch these things with just like, wow, I I just can't, but wow. So once they've straightened them out, uh, they could do it. But I mean, imagine the, just the exhaustion already compounded from all those different things in their muscles. They're trying to untie these massive knots in massive pieces of rope. Have that picture in your head and then maybe think about faith and reimagining faith. And does it feel a bit like that sometimes that you're exhausted? That there just seems to be challenge after challenge of things that you have to untie. And you come at it with an exhausted body and mind and spirit. If it does feel like that, I am really sorry. I wish it was easier but it seems that growing is hard. Um, for I think uh, that at the root, that growing is what this is all about. And this is not where I tell you that growing is easy. So I'm sorry about that. The message ends at the gospel passage for today like this. And I'm gonna share my screen. And I'm gonna do it so I can see myself still, cause that's just fun. Hold, please. Any second now. Here it is. Okay, then. With many stories like this, he presented his message to them, fitting the stories to their experience and maturity. He was never without a story when he spoke. Of course, this is Mark talking about Jesus. But when he was alone with his disciples, he went over everything, sorting out the tangles and untying the knots. I love how the message says this. When Jesus was alone with his disciples, he went over everything, sorting out the tangles and untying the knots. For surely there are tangles and knots that need a little untying. If you joined us two Wednesdays ago, Brad took us through a different way to approach scripture. Um, this is what I heard. I mean, it was an evening, so you know, there's no guarantees that what I heard is actually what was said, but this is what I heard, uh, was that um, he talked about that we need to approach scripture in community that it's an epic drama of redemption. It is multiple voices that argue together that tell that one story, that it's a big story where each part of it must submit to Christ and where it doesn't submit to Christ, that perhaps it says more about us than it does about God. Brad showed us an ancient way to read that is less about getting it right and being right. And if you weren't there, I would suggest you go watch it. I put a thing in the um, the chat a little while back that had a Vimeo link, and the password is reimagining. So if you want to go watch it, you can watch it right there. Unless you're on our Facebook group and you can watch it in there. Or you can listen to it on our podcast. And here ends the adverts. Um, so have a listen, have a watch. And he's going to be talking about prayer and helping us reimagine that this week on Wednesday. And hopefully you can join us. It's sure to be great as well. But back to today's passage and the not untying and small beginnings that we have. I sometimes feel like the Bible is a little bit like this for me one more thing to untangle or straighten out one more challenge to find my way through on the journey of deconstruction and moving from certainty some people find they can't read the bible anymore that they need to just take a break from it which is cool but i've i've never felt like i've had that liberty to do that i have had to stay engaged with the text call it an occupational hazard but i've had to walk up to jesus I've had to walk up to the scripture with Jesus and ask him to tell me a better story. My own renovation has been kind of more of a light remodel than a full-blown deconstruction, reconstruction. Uh, It's been more like a just slap a piece of paint on the wall. Although that's not as easy as it might sound. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. I joined my first real church when I went to university, and then I heard things at churches and conferences that I honestly never bought into. Mostly because I think—I mean, I wonder if maybe it's because I'd already developed my critical thinking skills before I got there. Um, I don't know. I just never bought into what they were selling. <laughs> if people who hired me in the past could hear this, they might just shudder. But anyway, I—I um, uh, I never bought into inerrancy, like. It doesn't work. There's just too many things that contradict each other, let alone the differences that people teach about what it actually means. What it actually means, really. um complementarianism—I never bought into that. I—I uh, I mean, hello, that excludes me. Right? Well, that doesn't work. It's not what I saw Jesus do, or how he taught, he treated women. Um, and I'm not only a woman, but I'm an unmarried woman, so nobody's covering my head. Like, what the heck? Uh, so I was like, yeah, no, I don't think I believe that. Um, exclusivism, who is in and who is out? Who is acceptable and who is not? I'm still not buying it. I think God is way bigger. I am betting on the fact that God being, is more loving than I am. I am betting on the fact that God is more accepting and inclusive than I am, just generally more than me. And it's him that I've trusted this whole time. And I never understood the box that people put God in. There are probably lots of other things that I've ignored on the way. These were just the three that came to mind as I was thinking. Um, I don't know how I ever got through an interview for a job at a church. Like if they'd even dug slightly, they would have been like, she's a heretic, out. But anyways, here I am. I snuck in somehow and you're welcome. So my faith renovation has needed some tweaks, but actually what it's mostly involved is me being brave enough and feeling safe enough to say out loud what I believed on the inside. It's been more like a peeling back of wallpaper layers. Maybe that's a better image than actually painting a wall. It's been like peeling back a layer to actually reveal what I was believing underneath. But the Bible was tricky and I did have to stay engaged because every week I needed something to teach the children. Like, what are we gonna tell the children? This has been my whole thought this whole time as people have been going like, yeah, no, no. I'm like, but what are you gonna teach your kids? What are you gonna tell them? And if we're starting small, like a seed that's buried in the ground, then we need to start there. We're going to read two stories this morning, and I'm going to tell you exactly what they mean. (laughs) I hear you gasp in shock. Oh, I hope I heard you gasp in shock. Listen, if you ever hear me say, I'm going to tell you exactly what that means. I've been overtaken by aliens and need to be taken outside and beaten up. I do have a few thoughts of what these parables might mean or what Jesus might have meant but nothing is certain. If you're looking for an, okay, this is what it means for sure, then you might need to go to another church. I have no, this is what it means for sure to offer you just a few ways that we could think about it. None of which might be what Jesus meant, or all of them might be what Jesus meant, or he could have meant something totally different. I don't know. I'm just gonna offer you the ways that I found as potentials as I've read it over and over and leave it for you to add what you think and let you mull over it and hope that there is life in it for all of us somewhere. So let's read it. Okay. Here's what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, the seed comes up and grows. It happens whether the farmer sleeps or gets up. He doesn't know how it happens. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First, the stalk comes up, then the head appears. Finally, the full grain appears in the head. Before long, the grain ripens. So the farmer cuts it down because the harvest is ready. First off, this is probably not about actual farming. Back in high school, I actually failed an assignment and got detention for writing the life cycle of a carrot as a story. My biology teacher didn't think it was very funny. I think my creative writing teacher would have loved it. I got all the facts right. And she seemed to think that was facetious. Anyway, um, I think Jesus smiled. Storytelling is what he did. Anyway, back to his story. What if this is actually about Jesus? What if this tells us about Emmanuel, God with us? How about we think of a it a bit like this? If God is the farmer, then the seed growing in Mary's womb in the dark is growing seen by heaven, but only revealed to us at his birth. Mary is the provider of life that Jesus needs to grow in utero. The stalk comes up, he is born. The head appears, Jesus grows in wisdom and stature. The full grain appears, he is baptized and his ministry kicks off. The grain ripens, he reaches the climax at the cross where he's cut down because it's time. The harvest is ready and we are in business. Enter the Holy Spirit and it's game on for the disciples and then us because Jesus defeats death, and there is life after his death for all of us. So maybe the story is about him. That's one thought I had. Here's another. What if it's about us as individuals? What if we are the seed planted in the ground? What if we are to grow in secret and then stick our heads up into the light and spread the love that has nourished us over time to those who need it too? Will we get a sticky end? I mean, maybe not like Jesus, but yeah. We will eventually die so there will be an end so that's another thought is it about us and uh, one more what if it's about the community of people who follow Jesus what if it's about the love and kindness that we pour into others as we scatter seeds of kindness recklessly and just like the farmer we close our eyes or we blink we turn away and mysteriously what we've sown grows into something good that can produce fruit of its own I feel like this is what I hope for the children that um, that I've had got to hung out with over the years that I have recklessly scattered seeds with and for. I hope that all of them might grow and flourish and be all that they've been created to be. That they might be reckless seed scatterers too. That I might've been a little influence in that journey. I can only hope. I don't make them grow. It's just mine to scatter the seeds of love and kindness and trust God with them. Growth happens in secret, whether I'm there to see it or not. It's like seed that grows whether the farmer sleeps or gets up to watch the soil. I've been growing potatoes uh, in, a, in a tub outside and the, the method was to plant the potatoes low and then every time they stick their little heads up, cover them with soil. And then they stick the little heads up and cover them. With, I mean, bless them. By the time they got to the top of the pot, they were like, just stop it already. I can hear them, just stop covering me with soil. And now they are, they, now they are plants. So growth happens, whether we pay attention or not. Um, And I'm challenged by this to allow other people to grow because there are people that I keep in my mind as, well, that's the position they hold. And um, I kind of of judge that maybe they didn't move, but who knows, I'm gonna allow the possibility for things to grow in secret (laughs) and allow the possibility that they've been evolving as well. So what do you think this story means? There's my three options. Do any of the ways that I've suggested, maybe Jesus, maybe us, maybe church with a capital C, do they resonate with you? Maybe you have other thoughts on it and I'm gonna invite you to think about that for a second and then we'll maybe chat about it. So let me read it again. Here is what God's kingdom is like. A farmer scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, the seed comes up and grows. It happens whether the farmer sleeps or gets up. He doesn't know how it happens. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First, the stalk comes up, then the head appears, and finally the full grain appears in the head. Before long, the grain ripens, so the farmer cuts it down because the harvest is ready. I would say turn to the person next to you and chat, but Zoom. So, is there anybody who wants to just hop in and say what they think? If you use the reaction button at the bottom, you can put your hand up like this. And then you will jump to the front of the screens and then Harry will find you and he will add you to the spotlight. And then we can have a chat about it. Does anybody want to add anything? Anybody got any thoughts? Anything that really resonates with them in that that passage? Anything you go, oh, yeah. Because a gathering is a conversation. It's not you just me Mm. sitting, you sitting listening to me. So anybody wanna chip in? Otherwise, I'll just plow on. I've got more. Anyone? I feel like uh, Ferris Bueller. Anyone? 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 All right, well, then I promise i uh, carry on. All right, you can interrupt me. Feel free to jump in. Okay, I'm gonna back back and share the screen. Okay,
0: wait, wait, wait.
1: Too many things open, okay, okay. Hi. Yeah, go for it. What came to my mind was patience. The patience Mm. required in that process of preparing the ground, planting the seed, it's not all quick. Hopefully enjoy the process. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, um there's a um a thing of having to wait in that, not knowing even if it's gonna work. Patience is yes. good, Kathy. Thank you. That's cool. Anybody else? All right then, let's talk about the next story. So in the text in Mark, it looks like Jesus just carries straight on with his next breath. And he might have, but it could also be, um, it could also have happened on another day. Like he could have carried straight on, but it could be that this happened another time and that Mark has just gone, oh, that's about seeds as well. All right, let's just mash those two together. Um, But uh, this this is the next story. What can we say God's kingdom is like? What story can we use to explain it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. But when you plant the seed, it grows. It becomes the largest of all garden plants. Its branches are so big that birds can rest in its shade. Literal readers are excused for being a little bit confused by this. A very, very quick Google search will let you know that a mustard is definitely not the smallest seed. That actually belongs to a tropical orchid that weighs in at 135 millionth of an ounce. I mean that's small um, and it's invisible to the naked eye. You you could forgive them for not knowing about that one. Um, And is the mustard seed the biggest of all plants? No, that's the giant sequoia that grows in California and the Sierra Nevada. Mm -hmm. Does it matter that Jesus got it wrong? Yes, to the people that were listening, it matters that he got it wrong. If he'd have said orchid and sequoia, they would have gone, huh, what, uh, huh? never heard of those. But he said mustard, and that made sense to them. To the people listening, Jesus was thinking about what they knew about. It's important to pay attention to who is listening. I think that maybe we get a bit confused by the Bible sometimes because we are out of context, and we can get hung up on little bits like that. They could trip us up, but we need to kind of just go, okay, but what's the main point? Mark wrote this story in just a few sentences. It might have been a bit longer when Jesus said it, but let's be honest. Mark is not known for his verbose storytelling. In just a couple of sentences, I think the story tells us about starting small and being okay with it. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. That's in the Bible as well. Zechariah 4, 8 to 10. Oh, hold on. I just changed the wrong thing. I changed my, I changed my notes rather than the. Uh, let's try it again. Here we go. There's the thing. All right. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel, or well, I don't know how you say that one, but let's call it Zerubbabel, is the one who laid the foundation of his temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. The temple, isn't that a foreshadowing of Jesus? The foundation stone that he talks about in there, doesn't someone refer to Jesus as that? Actually, that happens multiple times. There's a Psalmist that says it, Isaiah says it, Zechariah says it, and Jesus himself. They all call him the foundational cornerstone. So is this little story a mark about him too? Is Jesus the mustard seed? Is he the small beginning, the first stone planted? Is he the foundation on which everything is built? I think he is. In the kingdom of heaven, Jesus goes first, and the kingdom grows and grows and grows, and it grows in us and through us. Jesus goes first. The kingdom of heaven is Jesus, God with us, crucified, died, and buried, and risen and living in us and the kingdom grows big enough for everyone to take shelter in the branches, or well, that's what it should do. The church should be a place of safety, not of harm, because we grow from a place of love that is Jesus. There was a bishop who lived around 380, uh, between about 380 and 450, and his name was Peter Chrysologus. And he takes the idea back to the whole story, starting with Christ sowing the seed by promising a kingdom. I can see you laughing at me. Um, Sowing the seed by promising a kingdom to Abraham. Listen, this is what he says. Such then is the mustard seed, which Christ sowed in his garden. When he promised a kingdom to the patriarchs, the seed took root in them. So that's Abraham. With the prophets, it sprang up. With the apostles, it grew tall. In the church, it became a great tree, putting forth innumerable branches laden with gifts. And now you too must take the wings of the psalmist's dove, gleaming gold in the rays of divine sunlight, and fly to rest forever among those sturdy, fruitful branches. No snares are set to trap you there. Fly off then with confidence and dwell securely in its shelter. Now that's a church I want to be part of, a place where there are no snares set to trap where everyone can dwell securely because this is the fruit of the seed of love planted in the beginning by the great love, God himself. Maybe this story is about the whole story. Maybe it's about Jesus, but maybe it's about us as well. Maybe we are like the little mustard seeds. We're pretty small, right? Just to give you a sense of scale. Think about our solar system for a moment. The solar system seems big from where we stand, but it's also actually pretty manageable compared to the universe. But even our relatively small solar system is vast. To give us an idea of how small we are in it, somewhere between 99.8 and 99%, 99 99.9% of our solar system's mass is the sun. Okay, so that's the things you can hold in your hand, but don't try and with the sun, but the things that you can hold 99.8 and 99.9 percent of our solar system is the sun. The rest of the mass is split between the planets and their satellites, the comets and the asteroids, and the dust and gas surrounding our star, and all of us on this little planet. Do you Mm. feel like a mustard seed now? We're like point in. We fit in the 0.1 percent of the mass of our solar system. And that includes the planets. Like, and then, oh, I'm so small. Actually, for more like an orchid seed than a mustard seed. Yeah, we are tiny. But when we spread, spread love all around us, we grow more and more like Jesus. And then we become big in love like he is. He's the one who flung the stars, including our own into space. And when we become big in love like he is, then we become a safe place for our friends because we love like he does we can become like a tree with branches for others to nest in or take shelter I feel like I want to do this like we become like a tree with branches for others to nest in and take shelter because we are connected to the creator who is love maybe that's what Jesus meant I don't know exactly but it might have been that if you've got another take on it we can chat at the end but one more thing before I quit talking My constant thought before as I've read and reread both these stories is that it's about love that starts small but grows. I feel like I want to encourage those of us who've been hiding in the ground or feel like you've been buried there by others. That however you ended up there growing quietly in the dark that it might be time to stick your head up. You're good, grow tall, grow strong and grow in love by practicing so that you might become a safe place for others to come to. Start small and try it. I made this piece of artwork. They tried to bury us. They didn't know that we were seeds. I was listening to a sociologist called Nicholas Christakis talking to Krista Tippett this week on On Being. He was talking about the basic goodness that we are all wired for, the elemental human capacities of friendship, love, teaching and cooperation that are in us as human beings. Towards the end, they were talking about how love and kindness mushroom. It's really worth a listen. Um, we all have the capacity to do small things, right? I'm not gonna say we all have the capacity to do large things, because you know we like the grandeur of that, but actually small acts of kindness have a way of growing and multiplying. I was in a coffee shop. This was uh, the last time we went back to indoor dining. The lady in front of me was pretty excited to place her order and then go join her husband at a table. She gave her name and address for the contact tracing thing, but she forgot to pay. So the server and I looked at each other because I mean, she was like, she was all twittipated from just being there. <laughs> it was so exciting. Um, so we looked at each other and I was like, I want to place my order. She's got a thing open. She can't do anything until this lady, and I went, I'll pay that's fine. Just take it. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, just let's just do it and go on. Um, so I paid. And uh, as I stood waiting for my to-go drink, they received theirs. And then this lady realized that she hadn't paid. So she said, oh, I didn't pay to the server. And the server's like, it's okay, she paid. Um, and so this lady came bounding over. and was just like, oh, I'm so thankful. I, I was all just excited to be here. And, um, and she said, I will pass it on. I will, I will do something kind for somebody else. Now I have no idea if she did but I imagine that she did because that's how kindness works. A small act of kindness leads to another small act of kindness. And before you know it, boom, that stuff's everywhere like glitter. I asked the kids last week what Jesus had asked us to do. And one of them said uh, he wants us to spread love. And we decided that his love might just be a little like getting something sticky on us. Kids understand that, right? You get something sticky on you. And then everything you touch becomes sticky. Maybe God's love is like that. Maybe it just makes us sticky and we can't help but spread it. The story of God's kingdom is full of people doing little things, small things that make a difference to other small things that inspire other small things. We don't hear about them super often. We like big splashy things that look impressive but it's the little things that actually really make the difference all of us no matter our age or ethnicity our wealth or our family background are capable of doing a small thing nobody is excluded from doing a small thing and that small thing can help tell the story of god's kingdom because it is christ's love that compels us the message says Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. It shouldn't be that it's an extreme to be kind or to be loving, but on occasion it can feel like it is. But it is what we are here for. We are here to spread love. We are here to be sticky with it because we are so loved. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. And I would like that to make it our prayer as we finish up. So let's pray. Jesus, would your love so be in us that you would move us to the extremes of being love for ourselves, for our families and friends, for our enemies, for our communities, our nations, and for our planet. We are small, but we can do small things. And as we grow... spread wide and safe places for others there is so much hope in this because of you may your love have the first and last word in everything we do amen